Today's guest is a business mindset coach and certified pediatric chiropractor. He is the author of two books, Rediscover Your Greatness and A Walk in the Dark. He is also the creator and host of two podcasts, The Mindful Experiment and The Mindful Chiropractor. Welcome to the show, Dr. Vic. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, brother. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so, so much for joining me on this episode of Mirror Talk. I really appreciate your presence right here. Um, I was, I was reading about you a little bit. I read that you, you did not start your life, you know, in the calm and peaceful, in the calm and peaceful mindsets, you know, way of starting life. Um, you were off the wall, high stress, anxious type of individual who could be distracted by the many things that life offers. So can you kindly share your, your life journey so far? How did you become a calm, you know, successful and balanced and accomplished individual? Oh, man, uh, we can talk all day on this one. Um, <laughs> It was a long journey, right? Because, you know, back when I got into chiropractic school, I started to understand what, what ADHD really was. And I look back and I go, holy cow, that was me. No wonder I drove my parents crazy. No wonder I was always all over the place. No wonder I couldn't sit still. And so I was that ADHD kid who was just all over, couldn't sit in school well. I couldn't, uh, you know, I was just bouncing around. I was just, I always had this energy. I would wake up first thing in the morning, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I would go all day. And then at night when it's time to go to sleep, hopefully I would sleep. I mean, that's how much energy I had. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was hard. There, there's there's a negative side to that because there's some good to be an ADHD, having ADHD or being ADHD. Um, you have a higher IQ, you're great in sports. You can multitask really, really well. There's a lot of good to that. The opposite, the other side is, Focusing on certain tasks are going to be hard. Not all tasks, because, mm. you know, some ADHD kiddos, if you play a video game, man, I can be laser focused in a video game and I can dominate in that. But if it came to school or things I wasn't interested in or you weren't up to speed yeah. with what um, my how my mind processes, mm. um, I get bored and I just get like that. So there was challenges in school a lot for that. And I my outlet was sports. And so... As I went through life, I didn't like feeling this way because the other side of it is anxiety, anxiousness, emotional irregularity. So I could be really on a high and I could be on a stream low within just a snap of a fingers. Mm-hmm. And um, this was my life and my story um, all throughout my teenage years. And then it wasn't until I was 19 years old where, or 20 years old where things started to shift and started to change. And um, that's when I got into introducing the chiropractic. Um, I went to chiropractors when I was a kid a couple times here and there, uh, but that was pretty much it. And then it wasn't until, uh, I apologize, I was 18, 19, I was 19 years old. But as I was 19, I had health issues kick in, uh, a bunch of stuff. I was a healthy kid. I ate clean uh, for the most part as a college kid at 19. Mm-hmm. I took a ton of supplements. I worked out re- regularly. I played rugby for Arizona State. I was in the best shape of my, well, good shape of my life. And I just, but all of a sudden, I just had health issues. My health was just declining. No matter how much harder I worked on things, changing my nutrition, taking different supplements, nothing was getting better. And so I started to get a little scared because, you know, again, with ADHD, you can rev up your brain very fast. So all of a sudden I'm going, oh, my goodness, what, what's going on? Do I have a disease? Do I have a blood disorder? What's happening here? Yeah. And so long story short, uh, went to the chiropractor. He told me that he can help me with my life and change it all around in three months. I thought he was crazy. Um, and right before I went back to school, he did. Two months later. All my symptoms were gone, four months total. All my symptoms were gone. I was in the best shape of my life. I mean, I went down to 10% body fat. I was already doing the same workouts. I was eating the same, nothing Mm -hmm. changed, right? So how'd this calm me down? Well, what happened is, is that through chiropractic, it helped calm my nervous system by helping my body and my brain communicate better. From there, it opened up the door to allow me to practice 
yoga and meditation. And that was what, what, because of chiropractic and opening that door to allow me to sit in a space and just sit there and be at peace um, was something I could not do. I'd be racing thoughts always, all the time, very hard to sit still. And so it allowed me to start to practice a meditation. And through my journey of practicing meditation, since I was around 21, 20, 21 years old, I've been doing it now for about 17 years straight. And it's one of the things I do not miss in my life. I do it every single day. And that has helped me allow to stay focused and centered on top of what chiropractic has done for me. And I've practiced a ton of other modalities now, like breath work and there's journaling and gratitude practicing and a whole plethora of other stuff to just add to that mix to how can I keep my focus centered on what I need to do every day. And yeah. now I can say in my life now, even though I'm not, I don't have an ADHD, I'm not ADHD or anything like that. I still, I have the good of it is what mm -hmm. I used to teach kids who had ADHD when I worked with them is I'll tell the parents, we're going to get the good out of this. That's mm -hmm. the higher IQ, the better at sports, mm -hmm. all that good stuff, but we're going to minus all the negatives out of that. Yeah. And so that's kind of been my journey. Uh, leading up to where I'm at today. Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh, can you tell me what you know the chiropractor did to you? Like, what did the chiropractor do in order to you know shaping your life back? In order to connect your brain back to your body system and all that. Yeah. Very, yeah. Well, it was funny because you know when I, I love when patients will ask, like, say, "Hold on, you're going to do this to my spine, and that's going to take care of all this." And I'm like, you know, it's funny you say that because that's the exact same question I asked my chiropractor. I was like, you're going to go ahead and make adjustments to my spine, specifically my neck. And I'm doing stuff with my hands because he would adjust with his hands. And I was like, and that's just going to solve everything? Like, no, there's got to be something more complicated. And he was like, no, we've complicated health. He's like, it's a lot more simple than that. Mm -hmm. And it really was. So all it is is you go you get adjusted. So they by adjustments is uh, the chiropractor uses his hands. In my office, I use instruments to make adjustments, but it's all to the spine. And the reason why chiropractors work on the spine is because that's the highway of communication. That is what connects us from our brain to our body. All information has to go up to the inform the brain through the spine and all commands from the brain going down uh, to the body has to go through the spine. And so that's why chiropractors work on the spine. And when you have better communication there, the nervous system's calmer. It's not stressed. And so then it can adapt better. It can heal better. The body can self, the body's designed to self heal. We all know this. You've had a cut on your arm before. You did not have to think about the certain proteins and all the different things that had to happen to heal that cut. And you just went on with your life and it heals on its own. So the same concept is your body does that too. Chiropractors just enhance that to give it the body the best chance to adapt to its environment but also to with itself too. And so that's where the adjustments come in. And that's what I was not doing. I wasn't adapting to my environment and my body was not adapting well with itself and everything that was going on. And so as through care, that all started to communicate better, which allowed me to adapt better, which then allows me to thrive. And that's why my health gets better. What would you advise or what would you tell your patients to do in order to, you know, avoid their spinal cord from being stressed or in order to ensure that, you know, the communication system between the brain and the body is, you know, um, in a good state? Here's the thing. We all face stress at some point, shape or time. And there's only a certain amount that we can handle. And the thing is, when you have too much stress, more than what your body can handle, yeah. um, it's going to cause something what we call in chiropractic a subluxation. But I just for simpler terms, just think of it as a miscommunication. That's kind of what it really is. And so we all are creating these in some way, shape or form. And it's just our body not able to adapt. Our nervous system is not able to adapt. It's too stressful. Yeah. And in today's world, we're very overstimulated. Mm -hmm. We have these little things here called 
a little mini computer called a phone. Yeah. We're always stimulated by that social media, the news, um, you name it. Mm-hmm. So our nervous system is always revved and it's not getting a chance to slow down and reset. Mm-hmm. And so what chiropractors do is we build up this nervous system and, and basically help it to reset itself so that it can get back to more of a balanced state so it can handle the next thing that we have to deal with in life. So that's one chiropractic is the first thing. The second thing I always recommend to my patients is you have to have a form of some form of mindfulness practice. That's either with breath work because breath work is very powerful and changing up the neurology. So it makes a stop to the stress response in the nervous system and just gives that nervous system a break. If you're under chiropractic care and you do that, it helps with what we're doing in chiropractic to make sure that we don't go back to old bad patterns. Mm. Um, So either that like meditation is great. I usually don't recommend it offhand in the beginning because um, to be honest, anyone, if I say, just go sit in a room and just and just be at peace, they're going to go crazy. Yeah. If they've never practiced this before, it, it, it takes about 90 days to really get down and get meditation down well. And it's going to stress you out. Like when I work with coaching clients on this and we imp- incorporate meditation, I always tell them 90 days every single day, you're going to not like me. It's going to drive you crazy. But you know what, though? By, by day 90, you may get some bliss around 40, 50 days, but by day 90, you should have the neural programming in your brain to kind of get used to keeping it under control. And what's the best way to learn this? What's the best way to learn how to meditate properly? There is so many resources out there now. I mean, it, it, there's there's the Calm app, there's Headspace, there's so many new things that are coming out. YouTube, you can just listen to like, I always tell, like what I always recommend if someone's going to do meditation off, off starting out, Guided meditation is nice to start with. It's not something I recommend long-term, but just short-term because you can just sit in, in, a, in a quiet space. You have someone speaking to you, telling you what to focus on and what to do. So it's kind of like guiding along the way, which makes it a lot easier to make that transition. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to evolve from there and you can start to feel it. You can, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna think about your thoughts. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to pay attention to them because thoughts are coming all over the place. Yes. And, uh, but you're just going to be like, ah, that's fine. Let it go. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fine. Let it go. Let me get back to center. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, then it's just, there's different, you know, there's a variety of different techniques. There's a variety of different stuff out there. Uh, but in my, my personal experience and what I share with people is guide is the first way to go. And then from there, you, there is so many ways of how you can <laughs> meditate. I can, I, I, in one of my books, I think I, I, I would share like nine or 10 different ways. And I said, just Google them. I literally just put that in the last paragraph. I'm like, just Google them. I'm not going to explain what these are. I'm going to save you time from reading. Yeah. Um, because I don't want to waste people's time. And I don't want to waste the time of writing it because it's like they can just Google this. Mm-hmm. But it, there's so many different forms out there um, that you can do. But meditation is a tool. If you just, I used to teach this in corporate wellness when I speak with business, uh, different corporations. And I would say, uh, the way I would promote to get in to talk is I say, do you want me to help your employees? Um, increase their their focus by 30% and increase their productivity from that by 50. Mm-hmm. And no employer is going to say no to that. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's going to help your bottom line at the end of the day. He's like, how do you do that? I said, meditation. He just, they thought I was crazy. Here's the research. And so one of the ways just to increase productivity, well, increases focus is meditation. And that's going to lead to more productivity. And, to, and, and if you want to take a little bit of some of the spiritual universal aspects of things, the better you can focus, the better then you're going to be able to manifest things you want to create in your life. Mm. Yes, yes. And this leads this, this me to my next question. I know you work with a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs and also chiropractors out there. And you help them to, to double their profits while working less and leading more soul-filled lives, basically. So can you let me on how you, how you do this? Can you, you know, expatiate a little bit on how you do this? And um, how can we achieve more and at the same time work less? 
So there's a lot of different things I work on when it comes to that. But it, when you come to doubling profits, it's kind of easy to do in a sense. I know some people look at me and go, what do you mean by easy? Like that, that sometimes I've been trying for three years to double my profits and I can't do that. Mm. But there's many different practices of that. We can look at that from a business side and just clean up the business and that usually works. But from the work that I do on the whole encompass is that in order to, you have to understand that money is life energy. It's just a means of trans, you know, it's a means of uh, trading. And so, but what happens is what I mean by life energy is to acquire more, you have to have more energy to do that. You have to be very hyper-focused on what you do with your energy. And so a lot of the work I do is how to, it's all about vision first and understanding what's your vision in life. And I take my clients through a whole journey of um, from life vision to like your, you basically like your eulogy. Imagine you, if you passed away, the person's going up to speak, what do you want them to say about you? Mm-hmm. Right. That's your vision in life. What is it that you want to be, be recognized and remembered for? Yeah. And then we break that down all the way to up down to a year. And what is it that you want to create? What's the reasons why? We do a lot of work of understanding why and get clarity, because unfortunately, in today's world, we're very cultured programmed. And what that means is that like it, even this happened to me. So I'll share my own personal story. Like I when I came out of chiropractic school, I was already before I even came out, I was already studying the best chiropractors. Who's the most successful? Right. But that's a program because who's what means what is successful right and for me when I was trained and taught based on what I saw so much because it wasn't what I was it was it's what I was exposed to the most which is a high volume practice where they see a lot of patients and you know all these different things and so in my world it took me five years to break that down Mm -hmm. to realize that it wasn't about the number of patients I was seeing in my office that mattered it was the number of my finances and what I had so I had to start looking at things a little differently Once I broke away from that, I started creating my own story of success. What does success really mean to me? Mm -hmm. And so I started, there's a law out there. It's a universal law called the law of least effort. And what that means is everything in the world, there's a, there's the, there's a certain amount of work that you need to do that will give you the certain amount of results, but there's only a certain amount. That's it. After this level, it's not going to change anything more or less. You can put more into it. It's still going to get the same result. It's not going to maximize more. So it's the least amount of work to get the greatest gain possible. And so I started studying this law and I'm like, okay, how do I make that happen? And so I read a book. One of them was Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh my God, this is it. Like, and the universe must have been telling me, or I don't know how it all aligned, but I was like, this is the law of least effort. So mm-hmm. how can I make the most amount of money I possibly can with the least amount of work possible during the week? And so I started looking at my hours. I started strategizing. I started looking at all these different things. And so I started going, okay, what's the max potential of what I can do? Here's why. So one of the reasons why I can help people double their profits so easily is I help them be congruent with their life. And the reason why congruency is so important is because with the cultural programming, we think this is what we want, but it's really not what we want. And so we go out and try to achieve it and go after it. And all of a sudden we keep hitting a roadblock. We keep hitting a ceiling. We keep not being able to get to the level we want to, or we have to put all this work in to exhaust ourselves, to burn out multiple times, just to try to get there as much as we possibly can. And what really happens is, is there's an incongruency. There's a block that you don't realize that's going to actually, no matter what you do, it's not going to allow you to break through. Hmm. And until you break that block. And for me, I had a lot of incongruencies because I've always said to myself, you don't have to work hard to, to have be successful. We've been told that, but that doesn't mean it has to be true because if we're true creators of our life, we dictate the rules, yes. not the people dictating us. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I use the word cultural programming a lot. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden I started looking into these things 
And once I started to remove these blocks and I started to be more of what my vision of life was, what defined success means to me, what is it that, what's the definition of being a chiropractor and what's, what is my vision of chiropractic and what do I want to share and empower my community with? Once I started defining all these things, then when I started doing the work, things just happened faster. Things became a lot easier. I'm not saying I wasn't stressed. It didn't work. I didn't stop working or didn't work as hard. I still had to do things, but I was able to run an office where I ended up making more money running my office by cutting almost my hours in half than I did working more hours. And that opened up the door to allow me to do other things because I had passions of being a coach and because uh, I studied the mind for over 10 years. And I was like, I want to be able to help people thrive in their life. I want to be able to help them break out of these barriers that I had that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. I was following everyone else. Didn't know that until I started to realize and break them down. Then I had to redefine who I am mm. and what everything, all these things mean to me. And from once I had that congruency, you can call it integrity. You can call it being authentic. These are the terms you can kind of tie into it. I like the word congruency. It just means more for me. Uh, but it's one of those things, once I was congruent with every action I took and it was all aligned to my vision, man, doubling my practice, that was a piece of cake. I tripled my sales in two years. I doubled, tripled my profits in one year, um, you know, and I started to work less as I was doing that. And it was mind blowing for me because I was told as like a chiropractor, yeah. if you're a family wellness chiropractor, you got to work weekends, you got to do this. So I did that for the longest time, burning out every four to six months. And then I was like, you know what? No, who told me if, if I'm truly the creator of my life? And I love asking my clients this. If you're truly the creator of your life and, 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 and we are creators in some way, shape or form, yeah. then there has we should be dictating what the rules are for ourselves. Yes. Because true. if we can't dictate the rules, then we're not a creator. Mm. Then we're just living this life. And it's all been planned out for us. And well, we can get into those degrees, but, um, but basically what I mean by that is, is you don't, you can just, you can just live and exist and it's just going to lead to wherever you were going to go. What would you say your definition of success is? What is your definition of success? My definition of success? Love yes. Um, so for me, it's the, I, I teach the five elements of life. And what that is, is I call them the five M's. So it's movement, which is basically your physical health, mindset, uh, marriage. That marriage can be any relationship. It doesn't have to be just a spouse. It can be any relationship. Uh, my mission in life and then money. Mm. Success to me is mastering all five of those. Wow. Okay. That's what success means to me. And if you want to put it a little simpler, financial freedom and emotional freedom. So that's mm. really where it comes down to. But the five M's and having those at yes. fulfillment, because my physical health, if I'm not physically healthy, then what, what, what can I do for the world, right? Because health is the first of all liberties. Yes, that's true. If I don't have money, I can't continue to grow as an individual, share my gifts, be able to create opportunities for that, help to give back. And be, that kind of ties into mission a little bit too, um, to help give and donate and do these other things. Um, I minimize, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. If my relationship's not solid with my wife, forget about it. You know, and that and also relates to family and so forth. But my wife's my most primary one. So how that relationship is, is going to determine how I'm going to be. Yes. So when you take these all in mindset and so forth, you know, all these things, those are the five elements of my life that have to be in perfect balance and always growing. And if that's doing that, I'm successful. Yes, I, I love that. Yes. And, you know, earlier you were talking about, you know, we're breaking free from our um, social and cultural pre-programming or programming already in order to you know, be, be able to create our own lives. So how can you... How can we be, you know, the creator of our lives? How can we be 
the genuine creator of our lives and break free from all of these rules and regulations that the world or our culture have, you know, um, laid, laid down for us, basically. You know, the first you have to do is you have to unlearn everything you learned. Hmm. I mean, really, and understand that everything that you, that understand that everything that you think of what your life is, is not really true. It's only true if whatever is true. It's only true whatever is true for you. And I know this gets a little confusing, but it's one of the things like this. Um, we have a lot of conditioning in many different ways, even from zero to seven. And we have this outlook on life and what we think it is, right? You can line up 10 people. You can tell them, hey, let's talk about COVID and what happened in the last couple of years. You know, probably eight out of those 10 are going to say, this is absolutely horrible, blah, 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 all these things, right? You'll get that one or two person. They'll be like, this is actually a blessing to humanity. And people are going, what do you mean? All these people died, but they're going to have a different perspective. Why do they have that perspective versus someone else, right? Yes. Um, and it's, it's their different viewpoints. Once you realize that you you have to you have to you have to be aware and see what's going on in your life because life's always going to give you clues. Universe is always going to nudge you. If you're trying to if you want to achieve something and you're hitting a wall and you're just like I don't know why I'm not there, there's a block there. And that's going to be your first clue because the universe is always or God or Allah or whatever you want to call it is always there to support you in every step of the step of the way. It wants you to evolve to the highest level you you that you want to you want to expand to. Yeah. And so when these kind of things show up, when you have these blocks or you have this 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 fight with your partner or these type of things, you know, how do you project? How do you look at what a relationship is? You know, if you want to like, I know I'm going on a couple of tangents here, um, but or a couple of different directions. But if you look at like, for example, like a relationship's a great one. If you take your time and just write what a relationship means to you, you're going to see what that is and just write it out really nice. And then look back and say, well, is that really me? Is that what I really think of a relationship? Or what's my true definition of a relationship? What does that mean? Right. And you literally just rewrite your life on definitions. Um, in one of my books I wrote, I talked about how the you know words define your reality, but how you define how do, the reason why I say it defines your reality because the words you choose will define. Um, they have a vibration, and they also will you know. There's different wordings can define what it is that you experience because we use word to express and create, right? We use yes. words that we bundle together to create a story. Mm-hmm. That story creates your life. It start. It's all part of this process. And so sometimes you can just change this program by changing the story. I mean, literally as simple as that. Mm-hmm. By just paying attention to what you say to yourself often. What's yeah. the thing that emotionally triggers you the most? There's programming in that. Mm-hmm. There's going to be something there. A lot of my clients, when they get mad and they get frustrated, they get like this knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're very angry about something. Mm-hmm. Something may have happened or something that really bothered them. I'll say, let's, let's go into there. There's some good stuff here. Look, what do you mean there's good stuff? Oh, this, there's, there's going to be some lessons coming out of this one. And the reason why is because we're having knee-jerk reactions from the subconscious mind, not knowing why we're doing that. But if we take time to use our conscious mind to start analyzing it, it will give us nuggets of wisdom to go, wait a minute, where did this come from? Why is this here? Where, is, this, is, this, is this really me? Is it, is it, the, is it the, the way my the society is? Or does this come from my parents? Like for an example, inner critic thinking or inner talk in your, in your head. A lot of the times the voices that you have that are those critics in your side you aren't your voice. It's usually your parents or someone who you looked up to as a child. And it's usually from zero to seven. So if you can do this work and it takes practice and it takes time, but if you understand that the universe is always there to support you and it's always going to give you these situations, especially if you're hitting these roadblocks or you're getting these emotional reactions, this is the way to truly unveiling these hidden things that are programmed. And then you have the opportunity to stop it, change it, 
change the story, change the script. I call it one of my coaching programs I have, I call it flipping the script. Mm -hmm. And all that means is whatever that story is you're telling yourself, stop it at that moment. Say, don't judge it, just stop it. Flip the script and say a new story that's more meaningful. It's so great that you're talking about you know, flipping the script and changing the story because I know you studied the mind for over 10 years, like you, you're a mind master, a master basically. So I would love, just love to know, like, how can we overcome the mind? How can we overcome the inner critics and how can we gain, you know, a much more centered life, basically? There's a lot I can go into. I'll, I'll keep it real simple what we've been talking about. So mm. the inner critic is always there and I think you should name it. You should give it a name. Mm. Um, I call it stinking thinking. It's not really a name per se. Um, but some I've interviewed somebody who wrote a book and he said he calls it the something monkey um, giving it a name. Then all of a sudden doesn't hold on all these emotions to it. Yeah. It, it kind of creates a separation from you saying, well, that's not really me. Mm -hmm. Because if we don't do that, then all of a sudden when we have that inner critic, who, what's the voice? The voice is you. Yes. And then you think that's you. Right. Mm -hmm. But really deep down, it's not who you are. And it's not what you really think of yourself. I had someone tell me one time, uh, and I love this. They go, would you date yourself the way you talk to yourself? And I was mm -hmm. like, F no, I wouldn't. And they're <laughs> like, you got to change that up then. And I always thought about that. And I go, you know what? How do I think of myself? Right. What are the things I say to myself often? And so when I name it or give it a name, my, I, like I said, mind stinking thinking. But when I start to do that, all of a sudden I'm like, that's not me. That's stinking thinking coming in. It's trying to mess with me. It's trying to get into my head. I'm not going to allow it. And then all of a sudden, I, since when I do that, it gives me that awareness to know that. So then I can just give it its title, kind of shove it away and then go right back to what I was doing or go back to whatever that is that I'm working on. Yeah. So give it a name and, you know, just, yes, deal with it basically. It, it sounds simple. Mm. Um, but I, again, it's one of the things that when you give it a name, then you're mm. separating it from you. And now mm. that's not you anymore. And once you become more aware of that tune of that voice or the tone or what it makes you feel like, cause it usually lowers anything that's like a lower vibration, you're going to feel it. It makes you heavy. Like if you think of an image right now, that's something that you love and that you enjoy. As soon as that image comes to your head, you're going to feel like a lightness happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if I say, think of something that's gruesome or negative or something that scares you or you makes you worry all of a sudden you're gonna feel like a heaviness on your chest and that's just from imagery and using something like that with an emotion tied to it yes. and so once you become aware of that this is like really like jedi kind of stuff because if you become more aware of those emotions those are going to lead to letting you know who's really talking here because the real you is all about inspiration uplifting it's all about being joy bliss happiness it's that kid that was pure before it was tarnished by adults and I'm not bashing adults or parents or anything. It's just we have baggage. And a lot of times when people don't work through their stuff, you're going to pass it down to the next culture, a generation. It's just what we do. Yeah. And so the key factor is, is making sure that we take care of ourselves and clear up as much as we can so that we give less to our next generation. Yes, yes. I love that. And talking about baggages and all that, um, you know, darkness that we carry along from life journey basically um all of us talk about your second book it's titled a walk in the dark and this book is a genuine you know guide to finding our true light and it's designed to end mental suffering and this is very relevant because a lot of people out there you know suffering from mental suffering um or you know suffering from mental issues basically so 
Can you tell me what inspired you to write this book? After I wrote my first book, I have a goal of writing 30 books. In about another week or two, I'll be starting my third book. Um, I'm a little behind right now, so I got to get writing again. But it was one of the things where I wrote the first one and I started going and I got into meditations and I'm like, what's my second book going to be? And I, it wasn't coming to me. And then one day I was in a meditation and I saw darkness, like just pitch black. And I saw this like little speck of light and it was like, it brightened up the darkness a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, man, the dark of the world. I go, why is that coming to me? And I started just playing with it. I started meditating more on this. And then all of a sudden it's like, I need to write a book on how, how the darkness is our best friend. Mm-hmm. I need to write a book on how our challenges and our obstacles are our greatest gift ever. Yeah. And that there's no such thing as bad in the world. That was the key of my book is letting you know that there's no such thing as bad. You can say there's events that happen. Events happen. That's just what it is, right? Mm. But it's how we, what we put onto that next, that story, the charge, the emotional charge, the attachments to that is going to dictate what that is. Mm. And this is, if this is like being the spiritual alchemist of your life, this is the creator, right? Because whatever happens, that's fine. This happened to me. So what? Here's what that's going to mean for me, right? Mm. And now you start to incorporate that. So in the book, I talk a lot about the ego mind versus the heart-centered mind. Um, What is really the ego? I really try to break that down in two chapters. There are people who write books on this. And I was like, I need people to understand that ego is a good thing, that our our ego mind is there to protect and serve us. And so that's just where it put, and the reason why I shared that was because it's going to talk about then why we put these certain charges on certain events that happen. And usually it's stuff from our past or the seven that's there. And then we haven't evolved and cleared through that. So when the event happens in our adult life, our brain's still thinking like it's going to happen like it, we went through when we were a kid. Yes. And so I walked through that. But one of the things is the mental suffering component came in because I was like, if, if people who have mental health issue or mental suffering, and we all suffer in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things where if I can just share that aspect, understand that those dark moments are, you're going to be your greatest. They're the greatest gift of light. They're the greatest gift of wisdom and so much more, but even more importantly, to also show that the biggest reason why we suffer in the world, why suffering exists. Now, this is just my studying in the last 15 years mm-hmm. that what I've learned over time is that what's the reason why we suffer is because of resistance. Yeah. We resist things. Like when you have a fear, like I have a fear of being in deep water or flying on a plane. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, you see me go on a plane. I start, I, you won't, I'm very good now at handling my emotions with everything, but it's one of the things where internally though, there's resistance. My heart's beating fast and my respiration's going, my respiration's going up mm. and so forth. Um, you get me. I, I don't like being in open water, particularly the ocean. I don't know. Lakes are OK. I still get a little weary, but the oceans would get to me. Why? Don't know. Lack of control. Who knows? Mm. Uh, probably some cultural ancestral stuff. But long story short, it's one of the things where I, you know, again, it's 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 this this old feeling of something that happened when I was a kid. Yeah. And it just comes up. It's understanding that the, the, the book itself really was to share that aspect to understand that being aware of what resistance looks like mm-hmm. and how it shows up in our life, because mm-hmm. the more you can understand that and just let go, because mm-hmm. resistance is usually there because we have a lack of lack of certainty yeah. that exists. And, and, and COVID showed us that. This is why I talk a lot about when COVID first came out, I was talking a lot about the fear side and mm-hmm. don't buy into it. You know, like there's not saying that COVID isn't real or anything. I was just saying that from a fear aspect. Um, for many different reasons, but what it's going to do to your health, Mm. because you're going to, you're building up all this resistance Mm. that it can lead to a lot of different things. Mm. And so resistance is a key to a lot of that and understanding to, 
if I really believe the book was really down to the point of if people can really grasp that darkness is your best friend, and that's where your power shows of your light. And what I mean by that is, if I put a candlelight in front of a nice lit, lit room, mm-hmm. you're not really going to see the power of that light. It may light things up just a hair, if that, right? Yeah, yes. But if I take you with me, and we go into a pitch black room, mm-hmm. and I light that candle, it's going to light up the whole room. And that's why the darkness is there. It's there to teach people that here we're going to show more of who you are, the power and the gift you really have within you. Yeah. We're going to bring out more of that. Mm. That's why I don't like the word like I'm bettering myself. You don't have to better yourself. You're perfect. We just need you to unexpose what you've been blocking for so long. Because mm. a lot of times we come into this world as pure light. Yes. And like I said earlier, the tarnishes of conditioning and everything else from society and what we take on as a kid, mm. all of a sudden we darken ourselves to try to adapt. Yes. And then we spend a whole lifetime of that to try to remove that. Mm, mm. And someone could be out there listening and asking, um, Vic, how do we, how do I remove that blockage? How how do I remove that covering and, you know, expose my light to the world? Great, great question. So first off is, you know, um, this is something I had to learn over time because, again, one of the things I had was I needed to be certain with things. I always, it's why I focused on the mind. I loved learning. I learned a lot. I was studying over 100 books, reading 100 books a year and reading all this different stuff because I wanted to learn so much. Mm. And then I started to get away from that. Had a teacher taught me one time saying, well, you know, it's great to know this information, but you're not letting life teach you. And I was like, well, what if I can cut corners and get faster and all this other stuff? And they're like, Wisdom comes not from what you read in a book. Wisdom comes from the information you know, plus the life of your life experiences. Yeah. And so why I'm bringing this up, I'm tying this into the book a little bit because I talk about it in there. It's one of the things where if you let, you know, if you're, if you're trying to figure out what it is, what do I need to work on or how to break through these blockages? It's like I said earlier, it's going to be things that are going to show up repetitively. Mm-hmm. It's things you're not going to get away from. So if it's like for me, when I was money issues back, I used to have I, in my first book, I talked a lot about limited, negative, limited belief systems with like money. And I talked about the top 10 things and how I had like eight of them. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering why I couldn't make money and I couldn't be successful uh, from that perspective. And I, I started to pay attention to what kept showing up. What was the story I told myself? What was the, the, the verbiage, the words I was using? What was the feeling that I was getting? Mm-hmm. I had to be aware of all this stuff because yeah. that's how you're going to do it on your own. There are other metrics you can do. If you want to work with some people, there's many people who can help out with this. One of the things I love that I've utilized was um, uh, hypnosis um, and hip- hypnotherapy, in other words. And with it, not hypnosis, hypnotherapy. And so hypnotherapy is, is it, it, it uses tools to get into the subconscious mind. And then all of a sudden it helps to repattern that. And then they use things like, like an anchor. So for example, like this ring, mm-hmm. every time I touch this ring, this brings me to my happy place. That's called an anchor. It's a, you're touching something or picturing something and it, it has a, a feeling attached to that. So every time I touch this, I'll think of my happy place or um, I used to have rubber bands on my, or bracelets on and I would hit, you know, feel the bracelet. And I'd be like, okay, this is me uh, at a time when I was playing sports and I was just mm-hmm. uh, a lot of pressure was on me and I, I broke through, right? It's that feeling and those emotions I tap to. And so these are things that can help reprogram the brain with things like that mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to, to breaking down some of these things. But here's the thing, you know it. A lot of times these things are stuffed down and your mm-hmm. ego, your brain is what's pushing that down. That's yeah. why I said the universe will be there to help you. As long as you're saying, this is what I want, mm-hmm. things are going to show up in your life to help show you. 
in some way, shape or form, these blocks, and they're usually in patterns. They don't just show up once in your life, they're patterns. And once you kind of see the pattern and you got to pay spend, be mindful with this a little bit, this is where meditation comes in. This is where breath work comes in. This is why journaling is so important because these can uncover this stuff to see exactly what's going on. Because when you see the pattern and you start getting out of your head, you start writing or you meditate and you get out of your head and you just go into a center of peace Things are going to come to you to give you that information. Uh, and this is why in my book, I talked about breathwork and meditation, because those are the two most powerful tools that I can share that can help um, to get to those things. Like sometimes you could do a meditation and just say, when you start practicing this for a while, you like today in this meditation, my intention is to just feel, you know, why, what is showing up that I have this thing going on? Okay, great. Get into the meditation. And it may not get the answer during that time, but it may come all of a sudden you'll just be standing somewhere thinking of something and then bam, it just hits you. And you're like, Oh my God, that, that resonates. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. That comes from so-and-so. Oh my God. I remember when I was six years old and my mom said this to me, I took that like whole, like it was the Holy grail. So those are kind of some of the concepts that you can utilize to do that. Thank you so much for explaining that. Uh, you know, from everything we're talking about, um, our lives or life is filled with, you know, struggles filled with a lot of, um, obstacles, basically. How can we learn how to, you know, see all of these struggles and obstacles as gifts for our lives? For our greatness in life. So remember, here's one. I'll use I'll use the the, the wisdom of muscles, right? So people who you know, if you go to work out, um, you're you know this in in a way that you just you're not aware of this, but you when you go to work out, you're actually looking for a struggle and you're actually looking to fail. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds weird when I say this, but if you understand muscle physiology, when we work out or lift weights to work a muscle, when we get that soreness in that muscle, what that yeah. actually is is you tore the muscle, you you hit it past failure. Yeah. And now what the muscle has to do is it's going to regroup, build more fibers. So that way it can strengthen itself. Mm. Nothing in life can grow without stress. Mm. It's that famous saying without no, if there's no pain, there's no gain. Yeah. You have to endure a struggle or some experience. You have to go to the darkness. We've come from the darkness. We go through the darkness to get back to the light. Mm. We come from light. We go through darkness to come into this world. Darkness is our best friend. And so it's one of the things that if you can understand that life, we, we try to find a comfort level. A lot of people try to live in comfort. Yeah. And I, I always believe that that's robbing you of real life. Because life is this, it's ups and downs, mm -hmm. right? Meditation and breath work, that smooths it out to where the ups, like in my life, I have ups and downs. There's, there's no doubt about it like anybody else. Mm -hmm. But if you watch my reactions to it, I'm very centered for the most part. I'm not perfect at this. I'm getting better every day. But it's one of the things where I don't let it take the most of me. It doesn't consume me. And I can see it and still be in that state of creating. So I can be like, well, this is what happened. All right, there's got to be reasons to this. I don't have the answer to it right now, but here's what I can do at this moment. And I'm going to be centered. Maybe I'll meditate. Maybe I'll do some of my practices to get myself in a good centered place. And then from there, I'll go, I'll come from that level to go ahead and look at this situation. How do I want to create this? What's this going to mean to me? Mm -hmm. And so forth. But if you can remember, if you can remember that you have to have stress in order to grow, everything in life needs stress to grow. Everything. Plants, the trees, the reason why the wind, the trees that face the most wind are the strongest. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they get stressed with yeah. wind. Yeah. And if it's weak, it breaks. But if it isn't, it strengthens the wood to get stronger. And that tree, become, tree overall becomes stronger. So there's, there's rules in nature. Just nature will show us the, all the answers. Nature has all the answers. We just have to, we, we've lost that, that art of 
learning from nature. We now we just live on land rather than being with the land. Mm. And so it's the same concept there. It, that's the one thing that I knew in my life that I wish I was I learned at such a younger age that that no matter what struggle I have, there's a gift in it. And you have to know that you have to have the faith in this, mm. not a faith of religious belief, a faith of inner knowing that saying, you know, yeah, I'm going through these hard times. Maybe I went through a divorce. Maybe I went through this. Like, here's an example. I've interviewed a lot of people who, when they share their story, they had some sort of trauma, maybe emotional, maybe physical, and or maybe even a health trauma that they went through. And one of the things I'll ask them later down in the in the episode, I'll go, so tell me, and I know this is heavy, um, you know, especially if someone has been molested or something, that's very heavy stuff. Yes. And I'll ask them, though, tell me, was that a blessing now where you are in your life right now? Do you look back and say, that's a blessing? Mm. I still, to this day, haven't got a no. Wow, that's good. They all look back and go, that has taught me this. This has given me this. It taught me to get my power back. It taught me to help sympathize with maybe it was women and men. It helped me to do this. It helped me in my career in this aspect. It helped me now to do this. Mm. That was a gift. Now, what's the difference between someone else who went through trauma and they're letting that dictate their life? Oh, that's a cost. Oh, this is a story. It's yeah. just a belief. Yeah. Right. This person now sees that trauma that they went through and all their traumas or whatever that shows up in their life. Mm -hmm. um, and they see it as a gift now. And now they're looking for that. And once you shift your perspective, because everything in life is perspective, because perspective is what leads to focus. And wherever you're focusing, that's what you're going to create more of. Mm -hmm. And so the more you can focus on things, like anytime that something happens, like if I get an argument with my wife, I'm not the most calmest person, maybe, but I know afterwards in my head, I'm looking going, this is going to strengthen us. This is going to help us improve my marriage and my relationship. It's going to help us learn new communication skills. It's going to help us do this. If it's in business, you know, there's, there's struggles that happen in business. And when I fail, I don't say fail, but it's like, if I, if I don't hit the mark on something, it's like, okay, if I didn't win, in other words, okay, what is it that I need to learn from? Right? Because I always say there's no, no one loses in life. Nobody loses in life. That's a rule. You can you can see it differently, and the brain's gonna can be conditioned that way, and it's gonna show you what you've you know you're losing per se. But no one really loses because the ones who win they get a trophy. The ones who lost they get a, they get lessons. Mm. So how can we say we lost? You have to make use of all of this stress, all of this um, struggle as a gift to strengthen us for the journey of life. Wow, that's so amazing, Vic. Thank you so much. Um, you know, you are the creator and the host of the Mindful Experiment and the Mindful um, Chiropractor um, podcast. And from my, our conversation so far, I can <laughs> I, I know how great and you know wonderful the messages and every every episode of yours are already. And from listening also to some episodes, so. Just for listeners out there who have never heard about your podcasts before, can you tell us what the podcasts are about and what are the listeners to expect from the podcasts? So the Mindful Experiment podcast, I've been doing that since April, um, end of March, April 2018. So it's coming up to four years. And that podcast is all about the mind and life. So what that means is it's very broad information. It's not specific to just one element of life, right? I've had neuroscientists on that podcast I've interviewed. I share a lot of topics from functional neurology to spiritual laws to universal laws, um, just to business principles and, and so forth. But it's about life in general and how we can have this whole experiment because no one knows life. No one has life nailed down to a T. It's all really an experiment that we're just practicing and doing and hoping to get things figured out along the way. Mm -hmm. And it's it's and it's one of those things where so we're all doing this experiment and really the mind is what dictates the whole thing. If we don't have a centered mind, then you're not going to have a centered life. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of the aspects of how do we look at different elements of our life? 
Um, and I, like I said, I've interviewed a plethora of different people and to, to share just some nuggets and wisdom of what they're sharing, their gifts to the world mm-hmm. on how that you can amplify your own. Mm-hmm. And then the mindful chiropractor is more specific to chiropractors um, and how to be more of a mindful chiropractor, how to be taking mindset principles that I kind of share in the mindset world mm-hmm. um, in my, and all that I do in the mindful experiment, but I tailor it to chiropractors. So I kind of talk about, you know, hey, if you're going to do this, that level up in your business or you want to help, you know, share your message or how to inspire the patient more, or how to, you know, different metrics that we look at in chiropractic business. Yeah. Here are things that you can do. And here's the mindset side to it and why you want to do it this way. Here's a universal law that ties it in. So mm-hmm. it's just taking that element uh, to the chiropractic profession from that level. But yeah. this is kind of what I do. And like when I work with entrepreneurs, sometimes people say, what kind of entrepreneur you work with when I first started coaching? Yes. And I was like, I can work with any entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. they're like, how can you work with any entrepreneur? I said, mm-hmm you all have the same mind. <laughs> the, the rules still apply the same. Yeah. Uh, I may not know your business structure hundred mm-hmm. percent, but I'll know how to work with you to help amplify you, which is going to amplify every aspect of your life, including your business and money and so forth. Yes. Yes. And you no, know, I love the title of your podcast. It's the, the, or your folk of your podcast is all start with, you know, mindful. So, and apart from meditating, breath work and all that things that we've talked about, are they like some things we could also do in order to be mindful in every practice of our life, in our businesses, for example, as entrepreneurs, or in just our life general, in our relationship, marriage, yeah, in friendships. So. Yeah, I mean, being mindful amplifies life. It's, mm. you know, I, I teach in my, my, one of my, my, my course that my clients go through is I'll talk about that, like, you know, you're, when you're in a true state of mindfulness, yeah. there's three emotions that show up. It's peace, bliss, and calmness. Right. So, well, peace, bliss. Yeah. Peace, bliss and calm. And uh, no, sorry. Peace, bliss and joy. I was like, there's, I was missing one word. So peace, bliss and joy is a natural state of our soul. This is who we were very blissful. We're like, you think about who has who's bliss, who's peaceful and who has joy. Children do for the most part. Right. When you ever see a child that's very balanced, you'll see that they smile a lot. They they're, they're everything is amusing to them. Right. And some people say, oh, they're amused because they don't know. No, they're just in a beautiful state of awe. They're in a state of mindfulness. And what mindfulness does is it enriches the, the experience. It can also help you be very aware of what's really going on. These are like, if you're very mindful in your business, you're going to be more in tune with like, for example, if you're a chiropractor, you're going to be more in tune with the patient. You're going to be hearing things that they're not saying, or you're going to know what they enjoyed or did enjoy, what what they need to be told to help them understand what we do. Or if it's you're an entrepreneur, whatever business is, if it's a service or a product business, it's the same thing. If you're mindful in a product service or product business, you're going to see the production of your product and feel like "Mm, this is just there's something missing. And we got to look into this. Let's, let's, let's get a team together. Or if it's a service, it's the same thing. You're working with people in some way, shape or form. So again, it's, there's that connection that you're being more aware of and listening to. And when you can be mindful, like I said, everything is enriched. Like here's an example I can share with your listeners. Um, I used to teach mindful eating at one point and I worked, I partnered up with a restaurant in my town and we would do in, at her restaurant once every couple months. Um, I come in and talk about the mindful side of things and you know, what's the importance of mindfulness And then she would tie into the food that they were enjoying and take them through some exercises. Mm -hmm. And so what you can do is you can take a piece of food, whatever it is that you're going to eat, just Mm -hmm. eat it, chew it really fast and swallow it. Right. And then then try to remember and what you felt and tasted. Mm -hmm. Then I want you to do the same process, rinse your mouth with water. Now eat the same thing again, 
But this time I want you to chew it about 30 times. Don't pay attention to anything. Just pay attention to chewing. Focus on the, the listening of the, you know, whatever you're, let's say you're eating a, a walnut. You're listening to the crunch of the walnut, the texture of the walnut. What does it feel like in the mouth? You're moving things around. What flavor come, profiles are coming up? And you really start to tap into all these different things. Mm -hmm. You can do this with like alcohol beverages because like wine has different flavors and things or yeah. um, attributes. Tequila I know has different elements um, when people do that. These are all things that you can do but when you're very mindful you actually get more of the sensations of what that food offers and has and when you're being mindful you're not you're not distracted with a tv or um, having things in your hand waiting for the next bite you're just sitting and being in the moment with that food and it enriches the taste the flavor and the experience of it try that out i promise you this is one thing i need to work harder on if i I'm, i like to be transparent with people that's one thing i struggle with i just like to eat i, I enjoy the flavors i get them down really quick and let's keep moving yeah. but but uh, that's something I need to work on. But when I do do it, it's like, holy cow, this is amazing. Mm, yes, that's awesome. As a, as a closing remark, I've, I've learned so much from you already. And um, there's so much more one could learn. Um, I'm going to put the link to your podcast and your website on the show notes of this episode. So I encourage everyone to click on them and learn more from you. And as in even to ask you more questions or to, you know, learn, get more insight about mindfulness, about living even a much more successful and happier life. But as a closing remark, I would love you to share with me, um, like for people out there who who think that they've missed it probably in life, how can they rediscover their greatness? For people who think, oh, they've, they've made a mistake or taken a wrong turn in life, uh, is it possible to, to you know, rediscover that, their greatness? And how can they rediscover their greatness? Love that question. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, you know, you true, you're not done. If you're waking up every morning and you, you wake up, you're still here to do something for some purpose, for some good. And may it be to learn something, may it be to share your gift with the world, may it be something along that nature. But the one thing to know that is, and if I, this is one thing I always share with people, like there's no rules in life except the ones you create. Um, you are a creator. So you're creating your life. That's, re, that's rediscovering your greatness is remembering the creator of who you are and how you create your life every single day. And once you know that and you embrace that, now all of a sudden you transform your whole entire life, the meaning of your life, what's the purpose of your life, you get to redefine it. A lot of times we haven't been, we haven't been conditioned this way in years, eons, millennia. And so we've been told that this is just life, what, this is what life is, this is how life is supposed to be. Yeah. No, that isn't. That's a cultural acceptance. That's not who you are and what your life want, what your life is. It could be a family acceptance, it could be a cultural acceptance, it could be a society acceptance, it could be all three of those. Mm -hmm. But remembering the greatness of who you are is by understanding that you're a creator and understanding that the universe is always there to support you. You have love shining at you at every step of the way. God, Allah, Jesus, Yahweh, whatever you want to call the, the person that you want to, you know, you, you pray to or whatever. It doesn't matter what the name is. They're always there giving love to see you thrive in whatever way you want. Mm -hmm. Because when you thrive, they thrive. Yes. And so it's like a very nice win-win relationship. And it's actually a win-win-win relationship because when you're thriving, they thrive and humanity thrives because you're sharing your light to the world. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Vic. Um, what's the best way to connect and work with you? For people who are, there who are interested in you know, connecting with you directly, what's the best way to do that? The way to connect to me, Facebook is great. I'm on social media, uh, Facebook uh, forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. I'm on Instagram, the same one, Dr. Vic Manzo. Or if you want to reach out, send me an email or contact. You can DM me on social media or uh, w, uh, my website, empoweryourreality.com. You can get access to me there also. 
Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Vic. I really appreciate this. This was so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, brother. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.